Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. All right. Well, we've been talking a lot about community recently, and we do record those messages, and, and they're on Spotify, so feel free to check those out if you haven't. But this morning, I want to discuss uh, really something that I think is pretty significant and not really discussed too often in churches um, from, from this platform, really. And I want to um, present this morning to you a, a problem, okay? And then I want to talk about a few ways to help combat the problem. And the problem that we're going to discuss this morning, it's something that has been one of the oldest temptations of all time. It's really the temptation of power, essentially. But how does this temptation affect community? And how does this temptation affect um, a, a church in particular? Um, but also it can affect a family. It can affect a business. It can affect you know, uh, your tribe of friends, because it's something that we all deal with, and I don't really think we realize exactly how often we do deal with it. And, and like yeast in baking bread, once once this this is introduced, it begins to fill and it begins to spread. And this problem, it's something that, that really influences the way we think. It influences and motivates the conversations that we have and it has actually influenced the very structure of the church, how we actually design um, church and positions and, and organize. And so let's start in Luke chapter 9, verse 43 through 46. And again, we don't really have anything on the screen other than um, my face. But um, So get a little old school, get a pen and paper out, or get your phone out and, and write these, these scriptures down. We're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. But let's start in Luke chapter 9, verse 43 through 46. It says this, And they were all amazed at the greatness of God, while everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did. He said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. But here's where we're actually going to focus in. It says, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So in the past, I've read this scripture and thought about the context and not really about how it's relevant to us today. And I thought about, yeah, clearly there were some disciples trying to be like Jesus, and so they argued who was maybe second in charge and perhaps the greatest among them. And Now this seems to still happen to this day. That's the problem. And I'm not talking about a friendly spirit of competition. I'm not talking about a friendly debate. I'm not talking about a competitive work environment either. I'm talking about an evil spirit of discord, of strife, contention. This is something we still fight about today. Maybe not publicly, maybe not in the forms of arguments. You know, we don't really come out and say it like this, but we see it played out in community and in churches all the time. It might not be through arguing, but maybe through gossip, maybe through slander, maybe through judgment. 
I don't think we pay attention to when we sow this thought amongst each other and we don't understand the grip that it takes on the ministry and the work that we all do. And I really believe that with this, within this large picture of the church, there is a condition, and oftentimes it's unaware perhaps, but there is this condition of this life and death contest within a church community. And I think it's important for believers to notice it and eradicate it within themselves because it's a dangerous enemy that every community can face and will face at times. And I really think when we're talking about community, you can't skip this part because it can build and it can it can breed this um, this this really this distrust within a community. And let me just say this this issue isn't the fact that the disciples were arguing. That's going to happen. Arguments are going to happen. And I'm a firm believer in working out issues and making each other stronger. You know, the first scripture I actually read in this entire series was Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I get that. But what we are talking about today is not the argument, but the root behind the argument. The issue is, is what they are arguing about. Who is the greatest in the kingdom among us? It's something we only discover and start to participate in and maybe start to even believe when we start comparing ourselves to each other and we start making judgments about each other. And each and every one of us has a gift. I really believe that. But we still deal with this idea of someone else having more influence than us, having more power than us. And, and I hear it all the time. And, uh, and I hear pastors talking about other pastors and I hear churches talking about other churches and other denominations and and the church, you know, I, I hear people inside, you know, not you know, our church is really, really good at this, but but it happens, you know, it's it's just part of part of being together. But uh, you know, the, the church is the best at the I love you but conversations. You know, church folks spent if church folks spend as much time complimenting each other and thanking God for each other and, and reproducing the gifts inside of each other and edifying each other. As they do, you know, as they do, you know, softly criticizing each other and critiquing each other, then I think it would be a different, it would look a little bit different. But we all do this a little bit, right? We are the best. The church is the best at the I love you but conversation. And, and you know, there is some value in, in, in critical thinking. And I do it too. But most of the time, we turn that critical thinking into... And to where it becomes wasted on negative thoughts. And we end up taking the grip of something that is God's. You know, it's like a water hose. When, when we kink it, it stops, right? And oftentimes the Holy Spirit is moving through someone and we just don't receive it because maybe it's different or we think we can do better or we do it differently. And so what do we do? We kink the hose. So that's the problem I want to discuss this morning because I hear this stuff all the time. And this is, you know, this isn't, you know, some pastor just feeling insecure and saying, you know, hey guys, don't talk behind my back and break down my messages. That's not what this is about at all. Okay, it's about the temptation of not being satisfied with the work that God is doing in each and every one of us and receiving the ministry that each of us have, that you guys have, and speaking life into it and not speaking death into it. That's what the that's what we're talking about this morning. And the first way that we combat this evil discord and, 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 and this kind of this disunity and this distrust 
is the easiest thing, right? It's by watching what we say. And we're going to go over about five or six different things. But this is the first one. It's by watching what we say. Oftentimes we combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we just refuse to allow them to be expressed in our words. In James we read that whoever holds his tongue in check controls both mind and body. So with that said, there must be a priority. There must be a value as believers to hold ourselves accountable for the words that come out of our mouths. And this isn't to prohibit speaking what God is asking of you, okay? This isn't to keep everybody silent. We'll get into that. That's actually the last one we're going to talk about. But I don't think we understand the negative opinion we have on others, especially in the church, because we are, we are, we are still gripped by the temptation of, I am greater than they are. And maybe we don't say it like that, but that's oftentimes how it's activated and slowly leaked out. James 4, 11 through 12 says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but you who are you but you who are to you who are you to judge your neighbor who are you to judge your neighbor sorry ephesians 4:29 says this do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and when I read this, I am hit pretty hard. Where there is a discipline of the tongue, there will be a discovery of the holiness in others. I'm going to say that again. Okay, When there is a discipline of the tongue, there will be a discovery of the holiness in others. When we cease poor speech, when we will be able to cease from constant scrutiny of the other person, we will cease judging others, condemning others, and limiting to how we receive a product of the kingdom of God, which is each other. When we think that, that we are greater than others, when we think our opinion is greater, we are saying, you know, this person is wrong and we're not receiving them for who they are. And let me just say, sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. It's going to happen and we can deal with that. But what happens is when we are in the spiritual competition with each other, um, falling for the temptation to be critical, more often than not, it's coming from an arrogance within feeling threatened. So we react and out of criticism, scrutiny, and, and that builds this, this disunity and th this discord and distrust between each other. So what ends up happening is this, and this is really kind of a, a good perspective, I think. And it's something that um, I've picked up over the years that I think is, is, is beneficial this is what happens. We don't fashion the other person according to the image of God that they really are. We see them just below that a bit. And we miss something because of usually something very petty or something simple that's in our hearts. You see, the kingdom of God, we all have something to give and we all have something to take. I say that a thousand times a year. We really depend on each other. You have been given a gift and your gift makes me stronger. And each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. And we have to view the kingdom of God as such, not threatened by each other, but with trusting one another. 
And that should be the default. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to practice the discipline of the tongue. And I really believe, I'm going to say it again, when we practice the discipline of the tongue, there will be a discovery of the holiness in others. Number two, the other way to combat this problem of am I greater than you is by the ministry of meekness. Romans 12 verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So we have to be confident in Christ, but humble within ourselves, confident in our identity in Christ, knowing it's the strength of God inside of us. We are vessels, we are carriers of God's glory, and we are powerful, and we are marked for great things. I believe that. I believe we are marked for great things. You are significant, and you serve a purpose. But guess what? We all are. We are all marked for great things. And until we operate out of God's um, big plan and, 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 and God's big, big, big grand scheme for all of us participating together as one body, right? Um, we have to understand that we are called to be humble, obedient servants, right? It would be hard for us to understand the value of meekness, and the value of meekness helps us believe in one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, and I'm going to quote him twice today. He says this, Only he who lives by the forgiveness of his sin in Jesus Christ will rightly think little of himself. He will know that his own wisdom reaches the end of its tether when Jesus forgave him. So, you know, we're not supposed to just think of ourselves as sinners, but we're supposed to think of ourselves as saints. But meaning we can easily max out our own and we need to live in the power of redemption through Jesus. We max out on our own. But Jesus redeems us, transforms us, changes us, the Holy Spirit gives us power. And after we accept Jesus, we must believe that the good work that is produced from our lives comes from the same source that is produced in other people as well. And we have to operate out of humility. We have to operate out of meekness. And we have to be humble and understand that, you know, I am not the greatest, but together we are great. Together we are great. Number three. Okay, so we've gone over two so far, right? And that's the discipline of the tongue. We have to watch what we say, right? Number two is we have to, we have to be um, living in, in meekness, right? And the third thing is the ministry of listening. Okay, the ministry of listening. There's a ministry of listening. The first service that we owe to each other in the kingdom of God is the ministry of listening. Just as love to God begins with listening to His words, so the beginning of, of love for each other is learning to listen to one another. Now, I'm going to back up just for a second. So I actually thought about putting this one first instead of third. It's the ministry of listening, right? So we should do this first. If it's the first service that we owe to each other in the kingdom of God, then why is it not the first point that we're talking about? Because oftentimes after dealing with a, you know, a three-year-old already this morning, you have to say over and over again, you're not listening. Stop talking. You're not listening. Stop talking. You're not listening. Stop talking. So I think oftentimes, once we learn to have discipline with our tongue, in that void, we learn how to listen. 
And just as, just as love to God begins with listening to his words, so the beginning of love for each other is learning to listen to one another. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. I really believe that. I absolutely believe that. Christians especially, you know, pastors are very guilty of it. Absolutely guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. So often think that they always have to contribute something when they are in the company of others. It's so easy to forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. You know, many people are just looking for, um, for someone to listen right? And for a conversation where they can just kind of speak and someone listens, we don't have to prove we have all the answers all the time. And Christians are so good at speaking, but not usually the greatest at listening. And again, I'm going to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he puts it this way, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but babbling in the presence of God too. So we have an obligation to listen to one another and build a habit of listening and being quiet before we speak. Number four, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we already have. We have spent a lot of time on this lately. But radical generosity, guys, the ministry of helpfulness, the ministry of helpfulness. No one is above the act of radical generosity. No one is above the act of helping. And we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted because that's what it is. It's an interruption most of the time. It's an inconvenience most of the time. And we have to be interrupted and be comfortable with being interrupted by God and investing in each other, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's tough, right? So the ministry of helpfulness. Number five, the ministry of bearing. So what does that mean? Ephesians 4.2 says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So it's good to celebrate each other. Lately, we've had some great things to celebrate. Our small group has been celebrating a lot recently, and I hope that we have a couple other things to celebrate really soon. And, uh, but it's good to help each other carry what they are going through as well. Okay, When one of us suffer, we should all pitch in and help carry the weight of what that person is going through. If you know someone is going through something, lend a helping hand, lend an ear, and help diffuse the issue and offer peace to each other. That is so crucial in community. And that is such a good way of saying, you know what, I am not greater than you, but together we can get through this together. And number six, and this is the last one, and this can be a little tricky, okay? Because if we are not healthy and not paying attention to the things that we just mentioned, the first things that we just mentioned, this can be tricky. And this is the ministry of proclaiming. This is the ministry of speaking. Okay? If what we are saying is not accompanied by worthy listening, how can it really be the right word for the person? If what we are saying is not accompanied by worthy listening, how can it really be the right word for the other person? If it is contradicted by one's own lack of active generosity, how can it be a sincere word? If it is not from a spirit of bearing, but from impatience and the desire to force its acceptance on others and to force this authority on others, how can it be the liberating, healing word? 
The person who has really listened and served and has helped carry each other is the very one who is likely to speak only at the right time. A profound distrust is often caused by an attitude of criticism without generosity. Criticism without helping and listening. But silence isn't always the best thing, right? Silence isn't always the best thing. And you can operate and proclaim still out of humility, still from listening, from generosity, all these things, right? And, and bearing um, and carrying the weight of each other, right? Who wants to be accountable, though, for having been silent when we should have spoken? In the kingdom of God, there, is there inevitably comes a time when we have to declare God's word and God's will to one another. And we speak to one another on the basis of the help we all need. And we help each other go in the right way. And then we discourage, discourage each other and, and, and get in the way of each other when we're going the wrong way, right? But this works only when both parties trust each other and know that they are, in, are, are not in it just for themselves or the opinions of others or this agenda, right? Why, why should we be afraid of each other since we have the humility and the fear of God in our lives? And this is why we have community, to help each other and to edify each other. And that cannot be done in silence. But the practice of discipline in the kingdom of God begins in the smallest circles. Okay, that is so important. The practice of discipline in the kingdom of God begins in the smallest circles. We have to be careful about what we're saying and thinking, even in private or just one-on-one, -on -one, and that starts to breed, right? That starts to expand and, and breathe life into something. Are you just complaining about someone else? Are you being negative about something? And all of this plays a huge role in what we're proclaiming and what we're, we're, we're putting out there.